Hold on. Actually, let me just, uh, before we get into this, let my cat in, because I think the cat is about to have a hernia outside. Be right back. <laughs> you are a loud pain in the ass. Meow. You're like a wet mop. Look, feel, smell like a wet mop. Hey, this is Colin. And this is Chris. And like your sinuses finally clearing up, this is Shiny Podcast. Following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology. Oh, it is Thursday, October 26th, 2017. This is Shiny Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. How are you today, Colin? I am recovering from the cold from hell. So I'm better <laughs> than the last few days, but I'm doing just fine. How are you, Chris? Uh, I am still uh, still breathing. I haven't had a cold, luckily. Knock on wood. But, um, man, whenever the seasons change... I feel like the human body just takes it like takes it right in all of your parts. Oh, I was invaded. <laughs> like 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 you were under siege and they broke through the walls and yes. Oh god. Awful awful stuff. Don't get sick, folks. This is my advice to you. Eat your oranges, kids. <laughs> Go Don't get scurvy. <laughs> Well, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, we uh, we uh, um, uh, due to some scheduling conflicts took took last week off, and we're we're, we're back at it. Um, happy so, to be here too. Absolutely, very happy to be here. So um, you know, some of the things are are, are maybe uh, about a week old at this point, but they're still pretty interesting, and nice. I'm I still want to talk about them. So. Um, uh, you know, I think at the top of the order here. Um, have Have you ever used a humble humble bundle? Chris? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. It's a, it's a great. So, I think. I think if you're if you're a gamer, it's a it's a great way to just like occasionally just snag something for a great price. Absolutely. So for for anyone who doesn't know, humble bundle is this. Um, uh, uh, website that you can go to and they very often have these really great deals um, and, and bundles on uh, well you, you know for for us usually video games but um, you know they'll have like ebooks on a variety of, of subjects and and, right. a, and a bunch of other things um, and and they usually have these really great sales where you know you you kind of pay what you want in a certain way they have like tiers of if you pay this much you'll get these three games and if you pay this much you'll get those three and then these three, that kind of thing um and it's yeah as chris said it's a really great way to pick up a few games that uh that maybe you were putting off and, and get them really cheap along with some other things but um they have been um acquired by ign 
uh, IGN being the um, the kind of video game review website. If ever, yeah, I think pretty much everybody listening is going like, "Oh yeah, Humble Bundle, I know what that is." And then you say IGN, and they're like, "I think I know what that is." <laughs> because I I've it, definitely spent some time on that website once I realized who they were and what they are, and and not known it. To call them an online media giant is true. In the hollowest sense of the term. (laughs) They're like somehow omnipresent, yet completely invisible. I feel. Because because it it just, they're so, I mean, I don't know, unless you have a different opinion of of them. Seems like they're just so, like, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was definitely aware of them a while ago, but... I mean, as far as do I rely on them for reviews or news or anything like that? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, I do they're, not turn to them for that. They're they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, they're they're perfectly unspectacular. There's nothing really special about what they do. Um, In stark but contrast they... to the humble bundle and the humble store that has sprung up around it. Correct. Um, and, and humble bum, I keep saying, want to say humble bumble, humble bundle, <laughs> humble bundle. <laughs> what you see before um, us before you folks is the humble bumble. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, it, it's, uh, it's not a, a huge company. It, it really started as more of a, um, uh, you know, a, a, well, kind of a charitable organization. I guess it still is. I mean, I think a percentage of their the games and and ebooks that they sell do still go to charity. Um, yeah, I'm, I think they 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 give a fair amount actually. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so to to kind of hear that IGN acquired them, I mean, cool. I, I think. I mean, I, I I guess maybe it'll get some more exposure and and maybe a little bit more money for humble bundle <laughs> but um I, I don't know i i guess th- i guess there could be a conflict of interest here because ign i mean i think it's mostly rumors but they do have a bit of a reputation whether it's true or not um of of um giving favorable reviews uh with like kickbacks um, and, and that kind of thing. Um, Either way. I mean, it's not <clears throat> at all, regardless of what their reputation is, it's definitely a conflict of interest to on one side uh, with one hand, create money by making content out of video game reviews and out of the other hand, selling those very video games. Correct. I mean, like, yeah, it, it's just like, you're shaking the tree a couple a couple times, you know. It's it's not it's not uh, okay to, you know. It would be as preposterous as you know a a a a, te- a like a like a an internet service provider and a, a media company being one and the same. <laughs> Crazy! What a world that would be. Ubuntu seventeen point one zero, the artful aardvark. Did you uh? It might let you take this one. <laughs> I am so very excited about this. Uh, the new release of Ubuntu is out as of Thursday last week, as we're recording this. 
Uh, I've been following this very closely because I actually think that this is a much, much, much bigger deal than most people realize. Um, a lot has happened in the last... This is the um, GNOME implementation, right? Like yes. Back to... Exactly. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. I'll let no, you no, go. No, no, yeah, no. No, no, please have at it. Have at it. And stop me if, if, you know, if something needs to be more clear or if, you know, you just, you know, you want to hop in because... Um, because I am very particularly excited about this, this thing. I think that, I think this is a, I think this is going to be a sleeper hit as it were. And it's part mm-hmm. of a bigger puzzle. So canonical, the company that makes Ubuntu, the open source desktop and server and internet of things operating system that, uh, runs on Linux is, going through some major changes or has been going through some major changes. A couple years ago, you might have seen the Kickstarter that Canonical tried to do to make a phone. They needed to raise something like $50 million, and they were going to make a a handset that ran Ubuntu. It was a hell of a goal, and it would have been an amazing phone, but they fell short. Only having seen about twenty-five million or so actually pledged, which is still pretty damn impressive, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> but they still pursued the mobile market, trying to develop an operating system to take on Android and iOS. That is until earlier this year. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the uh, writing might have been on the wall earlier than uh, for us than for canonical, but that's a pretty damn difficult thing to get into. And at this point, basically, unless you're Google or Apple, you're probably not going to. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Even Microsoft, as we talked about, it pulled the plug on the whole mobile thing. They're just done, right? Right. So what happened instead was canonical said well we're gonna have to adjust if we're gonna stick around because we're not making any headway in the mobile phone world so they laid off a bunch of people unfortunately as sort of happens from time to time yeah bummer and they doubled down on making a desktop operating system there's uh you know this project named gnome that you you mentioned earlier Mm-hmm. they took that and instead of um, just kind of rolling it out just kind of you know throwing out there what you know had been done before what had been done up until this point they really seem to have picked some key details to focus in on and just make really good make really really good and I've been very much enjoying it. But, you know... Oh, go for it. I was going to say, I mean, what what exactly... Um, I, mean, I mean, if you want to get into the, the nitty-gritty later, uh, go for it. But I'm interested to hear, like, what exactly about it is is so appealing? You know, what what about the changes are, are so good? Because I know a lot of people really wanted to get away from the the unity and we're really excited to go back to gnome so i'm just kind of interested to hear like 
from a user standpoint, what what is so much better? Okay. So the whole operating system is very fast and not not just like graphically fast. The workflow is very fast. It allows you to have a lot of apps running across multiple desktops and they're mm-hmm. all incredibly easy to get to. And it's hard to sort of describe. There's these like mouse flickings that you do and it becomes mm-hmm. so natural to just like you know, you throw your mouse into the top left corner and the whole the whole uh, system kind of like takes a step back, right? I throw the mouse right. in the top left corner where it says activities and the whole world takes a step back. I now have on my right multiple desktops I can choose from. On my left, I have this beautiful dock with all of my favorite apps and a grid button at the bottom. If I press that grid button... All of the apps installed on the computer come up in in another grid-like pattern that you just sort of easily scroll through and see. Oh, nice. Or you just begin searching at that, uh, sorry, typing at that point. And any app that, anything on your system that matches that, including files, will come up as an available option. Oh, right. Awesome. It's pretty nice. The super key does the same thing. If you tap that, you go into the same overview kind of mode. But then you see, that's not quite all, okay? The mm-hmm. whole thing is also, if you were to plug it into uh, something with a, with a touchscreen, is completely touch responsive. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, so that, oh, right on. Because, yeah, that definitely, I don't think that was a thing until now, right? Uh, it was in Unity, but this this whole okay. this whole but like this was designed from the ground up to be a simultaneous desktop operating system and touch operating system. Got it, got it, got it. That's really, really cool. It's really cool, and you really feel the flow of something that can be touched, even if if you're using it with a mouse and keyboard. I think uh, another really neat thing about about it. <clears throat> I think is uh, the settings app. Okay. It seems really simple and very silly, but I'm struck by the, how well done the settings app is. And I, and I, I mean that as like, you know, in windows 10 now you, you can, there's like six different, there's like the control panel. There's the settings app, right? Mm -hmm. There's like every previous operating systems, standout flagship settings app for you to claw through right. and like <laughs> and use you know and 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 this is so simple and so clean and all of the things that you can do with your computer and and the options there are are easy to get at uh and 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 just well implemented and intelligent that i i had to take a step back and say wow this is like a really clean settings app and it's it's these little details that make me go like wow i can give this to anybody and they're gonna figure this out that's awesome so like it's i think i think that's it for me that's that's what it is it you know um 
Canonical obviously does not have to pay as much now. They don't have as as deep or a bench in the desktop team, but the team that they have has really made something, I think, kind of special here. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't the long-term support release. This is not the... Right. Um, this is the sort of the testing grounds before that. The LTS is going to come out in April. And at that point... I'm 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 really looking forward to what they're gonna come out with because that that's gonna be a, a five year support operating system and boy howdy, the way that uh, this looks I could totally just not have to upgrade my system for five <laughs> years and be totally cool with that. That's awesome! Oh man, that sounds great, right? Doesn't that sound? <laughs> oh my lord! Uh, so I highly encourage everyone to give it a shot, but. Uh, I, I want to take it just a step further because I think there's like a bigger a bigger a bigger thing yeah. happening here. In the last month, we've seen you know Linux desktop market share jump uh, uh, almost an entire percent, or uh, actually a little more than an entire percent, just in the last month and a half, uh, according to some websites on the internet. Sure. And while some of that is Chromebooks. There's other moves in the, happening in the background that make me think that perhaps something is actually afoot here. The, for, uh, for instance, Canonical is for the first time in its existence, I guess, mm-hmm. really quite profitable now. They've they've sort of like cut away what wasn't making money, and they're focusing on what does make the money. And what makes the money are you know enterprise support contracts, where sure. places like AT and T deploy their entire network and, and, and infrastructure on Ubuntu and then pay Canonical for specialized support. Hmm. Interesting. They have a very strong case to be made in Internet of Things that actually gives this grisly, negative, annoyed old man Christopher some <laughs> some hope that Internet of Things won't completely suck, actually. <laughs> they have a, a version of, of Ubuntu that is scaled down to about 40 megs of, uh, in, in space. Mm-hmm. And they and, and they've developed because of their work on the, on the phone, they figured out this way of deploying software on it that lets you independently update the software and the base OS, making it very, very palatable for an embedded application. Right. Because, you know, if you can independently update them, your chances of breakage become very low. And there's, right, lots, of, right. there's lots of snapshotting and rollback features. If, you know, if, a, if an update doesn't work, you're automatically rolled back into the old one and you, and you never notice any breakage or anything like that. Just like niceties that they are aggressively pursuing in the things world and getting a lot of heat, actually. All before, as we come to this week, all leading up to an interview with canonical owner Mark Shuttleworth, benevolent millionaire dictator, an open source (laughs) advocate, Mark Shuttleworth, who has told us now 
with this interview, which will be in the show notes, which I don't think it currently is, so don't let me forget that. Yeah. That Canonical is now on the road to an IPO. No kidding. They're going public. What? That's right. Dude. So I think this is all a much bigger deal than it seems because on the eve of a a company like Canonical going public with so much success in these stories and so streamlined, we could be on on the verge of 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 a a big a game well a big change in in the technology space actually you know that's a rarely does a company that's making money (laughs) come uh to the stock market (laughs) i mean (laughs) these days like i mean think about think about whatsapp selling for 15 billion dollars to facebook you know what i mean yeah like these like crazy buyouts what is something like this going to like how is how is canonical going to shake things up being that they're they've on they're on such a seemingly solid ground now and the heart the real the part that really warms my heart about it all is that their strategy specifically includes making an operating system for free free of any bullshit free of any advertisements free of any you know strategies that 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 the you know corporate wants to wants to take with you you with them new devices that you need to buy to go along with it right it's free there's no spyware there's no malware and they're spending energy and and professional time and resources on paying people to to make something that is really nice to use and give it away for free. And now they're going to come to the stock market and 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 either blow up or fail <laughs> in one beautiful fell swoop. I don't know, we'll have to see, but I think they're about to be pretty rich. Man, that's great. Or you think you'll buy any stock? I think I should. <laughs> I think you should too. I think I should. I think it's a good idea. Um, you know, if not, I think I'll probably regret it. So I might as well. Right on. I don't really have a lot of stock, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> If there's enough enough interest in this subject, I know I just went on and on and on about it, but I do spend a lot of time thinking about stuff like this and enjoying the uh, the experiences that that you can get when you let super incredibly geeky, intelligent people wax philosophical and then create experiences for computing that which you know Linux really provides you. When you swap out your your different desktops, it it you see the way people think is helpful to help you think if that makes any sense (laughs) sounded like such a great great idea didn't it yeah i remember we um we 
talked about this uh, during GPU about this upcoming showdown between U.S. and and Japanese um, folks building these giant mech robots. <laughs> did you did you see this? They didn't tell. Yes. They left out one major detail. That detail was that this giant robot duel was to be turn-based. <laughs> uh, and and uh, uh, narrated by just the most obnoxious oh people. God. <laughs> Taking, like, s- pulling from some deep, dark place to... <laughs> to try to make entertaining something that was clearly clearly not entertaining at all no at all (laughs) it was like the worst like faux 90s extreme like 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 reality tv bullshit just not (laughs) but it was on twitch (laughs) (laughs) which is not to not to belittle the effort that the people who actually built these things went to to actually put them together however it yeah we'll we'll have the video the link to the video in the show notes and you can kind of see for yourself essentially a u.s team and a japanese team built these these giant mech robots which you know sounds super exciting and then it was just it really goes to show you how far really anticlimactic. Like we're not there yet, guys. No. <laughs> we want to think that the future is now, but these things move at about 0.2 miles per hour. <laughs> it's just it's just not fast. It's just not oh, it's not a mech. It's not. It's like a geriatric mech robot fight. <laughs> it's totally sad. You feel you feel bad for them. You're like, stop, robots. You're you're gonna hurt each other. <laughs> so oh, I guess so that gets like a couple of thumbs down from Shiny. <laughs> Go watch it. It's it's at least worth a, a chuckle. Uh it's 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 about twelve seconds of funny, and then you're like, wow, people people watch the shit out of this whole. <laughs> I want to believe that big changes are, are going to come in the wake of this whole Equifax disaster, but it's it's not easy to be optimistic, and it's incredibly easy to be pessimistic and cynical about the whole thing. Perhaps rather than, than turning this into a place where we complain, we should sure. just articulate what might be a, a good solution and move along. You know... In the, in the wake of the massive Equifax breach where every, nearly every adult in America's social security numbers were, were, were compromised, which we covered, um, there needs to be some kind of steps taken to, to, to correct this. And I think that there are two things that I would say that would go a long way toward helping this. And, and, and Colin, you tell me what you think, okay? <laughs> if we were to... If we were to tackle the social security number as an identifier, 
and privacy as a state of, of natural being. And I think we could really mitigate the vast majority of problems like this of the of it's not you know if there's going to be massive hordes of data about people and we can't get around it then we need to figure out what the parameters are and what cannot be tracked and create systems around that so that you truly cannot be tracked sounds good to me (laughs) number one there we go and then on social security we have to get away from using it as a password right and this is the bigger problem yeah it's a shitty password yeah it's it's incredibly archaic it was not designed for the digital age i mean it just it, it just wasn't um and it's completely outdated in every way I mean, seven digits. <laughs> seven digits. That's the best we can do. Wait, it's not quite. It's not seven digits. Right? Wait. Nine uh, digits. Nine digits. <laughs> That's the best we can do. Nine digits. Still. Still. Nine digits. It wouldn't matter if it was like. St- Six colors, you know. We need it's it's it, a single a single <laughs> a single <laughs> data point isn't enough. You need to have a a, a a way of checking and and verifying, checking and verifying. And the best way to do that is to have two different forms of identification. I think that the best way to do that is to have is to have something and to know something. Something physical, something real, something that like you can feel and has to have like a like a you know a, an action taken with it, and then something you know, your secret, your password, your you know whatever it is. If you can, if it, 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 outside of that model, there's there's too many ways to compromise. There's too many True. ways and too many back vectors. You know, and also not have three organizations with complete control that we didn't agree to and we have to pay them money to make any changes or even see <laughs> our credit reports. So that also needs to change. Bonkers. Bonkers. It can't be governed in that way. It just can't. All right. So as I, I, I suppose should be a surprise to nobody um, Verizon and AT&T uh, are, are now accused of selling your phone number and location to almost anyone <laughs> begging for people to buy this information. So there was, there was a, an agreement that, that was made, and it was, it was considered at the time to be kind of a, a win for privacy advocates, where... Um, um, Verizon agreed to stop tracking customers unless they expressly agreed to opt into the program. Um, this is an agreement between Verizon and the FCC, and it that sounds great. That's wonderful. Sure, yeah. Give me um, the choice. Yeah. Um, Power to the people, man. Yeah. <laughs> Except it would appear that Verizon... Uh, and, and it looks like A&T and T as well uh, are not doing that. They are not abiding by this agreement. And 
I certainly don't expect the FCC to do anything upstanding. So, uh, so of, of so course, this is not being addressed. They, um, they said that they were going to get permission. And then. And then they didn't. And then they did not. <laughs> and then they they got all they they started collecting data anyway. And now they're selling it. Right. Great. And so the, the collection of data is not new. But that Verizon agreed to not do it unless you agree to it, and then just go ahead and do it anyway, and then and then to pretty much sell this to to really anybody. I mean, companies, governments, you name it, third party companies. Um, it it just I I, I don't know. I'm just upset. It, it's it's um it it feels very hopeless because what what do you do if the if the company that agreed not to do this is doing it anyway and the government body that's assigned to regulate this type of thing has a chairman who's a former verizon employee and refuses to do anything to fix this there's a quote from a gentleman named Philip Newstrom in this article from the co-founder of Shotwell Labs recently uh, found a couple of demo websites that would return the uh, account details of the person using a mobile device if you were to visit this, these websites on said mobile device because of the way the website was built using these I didn't realize that they've turned this into an API. Yeah. Good Lord, they've made it just that easy. So, to quote this gentleman, Newstrom, who's calling attention to this in his blog, these services, these APIs and such, could be used to track or de-anonymize nearly anyone with a cell phone in the United States with potentially no oversight. That's it right there. AT&T it's terrifying. and Verizon can, are selling access to you. 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 That's right. You. You, you pretty person, you. All of your <laughs> juicy little details in aggregate. Including your location. Are so valuable. Where you looked up donuts. How long you looked up donuts for and what donuts you eventually settled on. That is priceless. So where can I sign up for this service, Colin? Because <laughs> you don't have to. How much does an API to. key cost? Can't be much. Gosh, amazing. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yeah, it's great. So, um, something we'll keep an eye on. Um, I don't have much hope of that getting fixed anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, there it is. <laughs> World's first negative emissions plant has begun operation, turning carbon dioxide into stone. Sounds pretty good. It sounds good. So then what? <laughs> right. Um, 
and they stick it deep down in the earth. <laughs> Build mountains with it. And don't worry about it for a million years. <laughs> well, that, so that, this... That, that sounds... That's cool. Okay, so... How do we how do we do that? Right. So um, this company, who I've lost track of their name, has been working on um, uh, creating um, uh, this plant that grabs CO two from the air and turns it into uh, carbon dioxide stone. So kind of. Um, trapping it, consolidating it, and um, kind of packaging it, basically, <laughs> um, so so that we're getting it out of the air. Uh, you know, kind of the people behind it have realized that, you know, the countries, nations of the world are not really doing everything that they can in order to lower their, their CO2 emissions. Uh, that's not getting any better. And so it was kind of a plan B to work on this type of technology. But up until this point, there's been a major issue with not only scalability, but also, um, uh, you know, it, it required more energy than it saved um, up until now. And so what this particular plant was able to do was uh, uh, go through this process of uh, getting the CO2 out of the air um, with with zero, rather with negative emissions. So it required no n net um, energy cost in order to, to get it done, um, which is a first. That's incredible. So it yes. can just sit there and, and passively scrub the, the air, pulling carbon dioxide out and condensing it into stone using less energy than it took to do it. Oh, yeah. that is that is incredible then it is yes um this is still a pretty small scale um the the this particular one that they were talking about is located in iceland it kind of seems like iceland has some conditions that just just geographically that really lend itself to this type of thing so i definitely kind of wonder how it would fare in other places that don't have the same type of conditions um also the the issue of scalability you know when you try to increase this um it takes you know are, are, are we going to have the same negative emissions yeah right, right 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 it takes more and more energy to do and then of course you gotta put the rock somewhere right so that's the other thing they're so they're they're and they, they've been studying it for a few years and they've you know they've determined that you know they they'll again, kind of simplifying it a little bit, you know, package the CO2 into this stone form and then bury it very deep into the earth. And it actually, um, it doesn't really affect anything um, and it won't really uh, emit CO2 again for another, they said like possibly thousand, thousands to millions of years which is a pretty wide <laughs> margin of time that sounds like but it, that sounds like it's like we have no idea yeah exactly so but it it'll be a while is i think the the idea um <laughs> sometime sometime so um definitely uh 
needs some improvements. Uh, I don't think it's going to be such a big deal until they can scale it up. Um, right. To to um, to have a bigger effect, but it's really cool that they had at least a successful run somewhere um, for for doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Well done, humans. Well done. Do better elsewhere. This is a fascinating case. This is, this is, uh, (laughs) this, this is just so, uh, it, this is the theme of the week. We can't, sometimes you just can't get away from it, folks. Like we really try to do a technology podcast. That's just like, we're just going to cover tech and look at technology and see how it's affecting our lives this week. And, and so, and you just can't because it's such a convergence in, in politics and global politics and everything that's going on. However, this is an interesting case regardless. So there's been a fight going on for a while as to whether Microsoft is going to be compelled or legally required to turn over information to the United States federal government in an ongoing investigation for a customer um, that lives in Ireland and the servers that his information were stored on were also in Ireland. So, with no deals in place to to facilitate this, you know, prior, Microsoft has said that they're not subject to uh, to to a subpoena or, or turning over any information on these servers because they're not in the jurisdiction of the United States. Sounds reasonable. <laughs> One would think. This has not played well, and the uh, they've been held up in court for years trying to get this. And they've been appealing it and appealing it and appealing it, and now it's going all the way to the Supreme Court. U.S. v. Microsoft. Will be decided by the Supreme Court whether or not the United States can access anyone's data on Earth. It'll be cool. Quite the show. It's just so arrogant. <laughs> it's just so arrogant. Of course not. Regardless of what the Supreme Court says, the answer is no. The answer is no. No government has access or the right to access any other citizen, any other citizen of any other country's personal data, let alone invade the privacy of their own citizens. I And, and the, the writer of the, this... Um, or, or rather one of the uh, quotations in this article astutely points out like, what if, what if China passed the same thing in their equivalent of the Supreme court or Russia? And we're like, Oh no, we, we can access a server in the United States. Of course we can. We have a warrant. And it's like, no, we would go nuts. <laughs> we would lose it. Of course you would. But somehow, We've managed to whip ourselves into this insane frenzy coming concerning security and, 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 and people being hacked and breaches. We've just worked ourselves into this complete fearful frenzy that it all sounds good, but it's crazy. It's crazy and it's not it's not it's not real. <laughs> you can't just yeah reach into other people's filing cabinets and take their stuff. 
But we'll hear what the Supreme Court has to say. I can't so, even um, do it. I can't even do it. I can't even do this next one. I'm so like this is this is the I didn't realize we had such a downer episode. This yeah, is yeah, like, it's pretty it's pretty bleak. <laughs> this is brutal. Oh jeez. Okay. <laughs> I know. Federal I know. Communications Commission has lifted a regulation. That has been in place for almost 80 years that requires broadcasters to have a physical studio in or near the areas where they have a license to transmit TV or radio signals, known as the main studio rule. What does that mean? It means that if a television network exists in your neck of the woods then they can broadcast signals. Okay? Right. <laughs> but if... But if... Uh, uh, but what they cannot do is they cannot simply rent that broadcast capacity to some other out-of-area larger media company, or at least they couldn't until recently. The intention of the regulation was to ensure local coverage of the events, to ensure right. that there would be a local perspective and a local voice in broadcast. Um, but that has now been overturned by the FCC. So now any market will... There were, it, there's no requirement for there to be a physical broadcast station in any market anymore. Which I mean, is upsetting because there's this kind of issue right now where you have these large media companies buying up these smaller ones in, in, in local areas and, and pushing their agendas um, even in areas where you know that you know the people watching may not necessarily be of that persuasion but it's like it's not unbiased it's it's completely targeted to to certain audiences and um i mean that's just not right it it creates these really awful vacuums <laughs> uh and we were dealing a lot of that with social media enough as it is but um to, to, to see like, you know, imagine turning on your local and you start seeing, um, you know, just, you know, we, we, you know, I'm in Massachusetts and I start seeing right wing agenda, like being pushed on my local news. That's, that's pretty upsetting, you know? And that's the kind of thing that has been happening and will probably continue to happen just on a larger scale after this. Furthermore, just the loss of local representation of, Correct. Of, of yes. News. Like just the loss of the voice into what's going on close around you is is this is this is that's sad. That's that's tragic. Now, you could make the argument that this has been true for a long time with the existence of the internet, but 
I think the jury is out in a big way on on what the real the the real workload differences are going to be between traditional bo- broadcast medium and and the internet. I mean, obviously, you can put video and audio up over the internet, no problem. We're doing it right now. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, <laughs> nobody's stopping us, and they're letting us get away with this travesty. You know, but they. <laughs> But there's something different about like a physical station. Now, maybe that is a, 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 a sign of how much of a, a, a bygone era these things really are. Maybe that's it. Very upsetting. It's all bad, no good folks. News. No good news. No good news this week. <laughs> We're going to round right. out the, the, the great uplifting... Shiniest of shinies we have with the mother load. I said this at the top of the show, but I am so surprised. I felt like the crack attacks. I mean, it has a catchy name, crack attacks. It has a bad crack logo. Attacks. They they do have they have a terrible logo. <laughs> Far. They needed something else, and that's yeah. It. I was like, "Is that a bug?" Oh no, it's a key lock. Yeah, I think the same thing. It's like, does, does this is this a tick? Does my Wi-Fi have ticks? Yeah, it's 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 all bad, folks. Okay, so this was such a media blitz, yet somehow it hasn't really permeated. Like, I feel like when Heartbleed came out, everybody knew what Heartbleed was, but crack. <laughs> Crag is arguably worse, and it's it's not seeming to get the same uh, mind share penetration uh, as it were. So what's crack? Okay, crack is whack. Do not do it not even <laughs> once. Crack is a vulnerability, <laughs> an exploit in the standard of WPA2 Wi-Fi encryption. The standard. The if if you don't know what that means, it, it think of it as sort of the agreed upon blueprints to to that that everybody else uses to build their their own devices and implementations. Okay, so the, it's not a bug in in that like there's some code that's doing something it's not supposed to. Well, I mean it is. But this isn't like it's not like a a, a a a function run amok. This is more of an oversight, actually, uh, a lack of verification where there needed to be verification in in the steps involved in identifying devices over Wi-Fi before you can encrypt them. This affects every Wi-Fi device ever made. Yep. <laughs> but what can you do with it? How like like how do you like how do you actually use it, Colin? The um the uh, the the crack attack. Yeah. So um so when you when you're kind of signing into to a and and stop me and correct me at any point because I don't, obviously don't want to disseminate false information. Um, so when you when you uh, are, are kind of signing in and, and connecting to a Wi-Fi network, there's a series of handshakes 
that take place. Um, uh, kind of security handshakes, um, you know, kind of exchange of, of, of security encryption information. And I guess what happened was they, they go through this a series of four, a, a four way handshake. And when it got to the third handshake, this attack um, forces it to repeat itself, which resets the encryption code. Um, basically, I guess, allowing it to, um, to reset it to, to like zero, 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 you know, just a series of zeros, um, basically functionally making it the easiest password in the world, right? Basically allowing it to decrypt anything that happens over your Wi-Fi. So, so, if... so yeah. And, and the important, this, this is it. So like you can do that, right? <clears throat> Now, if you can if you can do that, and 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 clone, like uh, if you can do that and and broadcast the same encryption, or, or rather the same conversation, as it were, on a different Wi-Fi channel, on a different like available channel, you've 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 then made parallel the data and effectively cloned it. <laughs> so that's where right there, right that's it. There's the 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 exploit in the the handshake. It was actually a really good um, explanation, by the way. Um, yeah, and but 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 once that encryption is broken, it's the cloning and ability to to read what right. you're doing. Right. The traffic on so, the connection. Passwords, sense of information, pictures. I mean, you name it. Um, anything that goes over that network um, is, is, is open. There's different, there's different layers to this now though. So like, let's say, so you do need to be in within a physical proximity in order to exploit it. Uh, It cannot be done remotely. Right. Because it is against Wi-Fi, right? It's again, you know, you do it against the device, but it's a very easy thing to do. Actually, (laughs) it's just a Python script at this point, but you, so let's say like you're somewhere let like the the traditional uh, the traditional you know m- m- place is a is a, is a coffee shop like let's say you're in the coffee shop and you're doing your thing. If you're on a uh, uh, unencrypted website like if you're if you're browsing over HTTP, that's what can be siphoned up very easily. That's just in the clear like over everywhere if you're if you're at this point if you're browsing over http in public probably should assume anywhere but definitely in public then you can bet your ass that you are basically just like broadcasting for all the world to see what it is that you're doing https remains secure and unreadable uh, by the attacker in this in this case but let's say let's say this is going to be an incredibly common scenario, actually. Mm-hmm. Let's say that that public Wi-Fi is being generated by a device that is no longer receiving security updates from the company that made it. Right. Or perhaps, I mean, it's crazy because I know everybody listening to, to the podcast logs into their router and Wi-Fi access point at least once a month 
to apply whatever <laughs> patches may have come down the pipe, right? right. Everybody. Everybody does it, right? <laughs> Let's just say that that device is unpatched. Now we have an easy on-ramp into breaking into the network before hopping potentially and, and, and escalating with different exploits your access to that particular device. And I'm talking about the access point, the router again here. So we're back in the coffee house, back in the coffee shop, whatever. If they own the device, if an attacker can, can compromise the device itself that you are connecting to, then you're really screwed. Then all bets are off. Then we're talking some form of deep packet inspection is but an install of, 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 a, of a, a package away. And more to the point, it's so easy. You have to keep in mind that this, this has become, you know, this will be productized inside of a month. You know, it'll be an iPhone, an Android app, I swear to you. It'll be too easy. That is what makes this such a nasty bug. It's not the fact, you know, like, I think as of this publish, by the time this publishes, I bet uh, Apple and Google will finally have released the patch. Windows 10 has been patched for a couple weeks now. Mm -hmm. um, Mac OS is not. Linux is. Um, it's not there yet for ios and mac os and android at this time and i don't exactly know why but i know that it's in the beta channel so it's going to come out soon uh, anyway it's all going to get patched i'll tell you uh when this broke on uh you know last monday i think it was mm -hmm. i had about 24 hours of, of running around patching a whole bunch of shit <laughs> <sighs> You know, and then and then there are things like you know I, I you know I don't know what the upgrade path there is no upgrade path for for printers that have an embedded Android four four instance right. controlling it. It's like well, shit, you know, what <laughs> do I just like turn <laughs> off the Wi Fi features forever? Amen, and then expect users <laughs> to to do that as well. It's like ah, uh. bad news. It's terrible. It's so bad. It just affects so many things. There are so oh. many unpatched, out of date, just chugging, like devices that are just churning, chugging along right now that you don't even know about. They might be in your house. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah, no bueno. Um, and certainly, I would say, unless your place of work has said we've patched everything, which is probably unlikely don't use the wi-fi at work unless you're very familiar with your company's like upgrade policy on on these devices i think you can pretty much just you know assume that there's a high likelihood that now or in the future that network can be compromised and i know that sounds doom and gloom or like you know okay chris now you're just trying to like you don't know troll us right it's not it's not the case like it it it's not this isn't I'm not making this up. I'm sitting here scratching my head thinking about like what the fuck to do in the future, what to trust, you know? <laughs> because it's it's that bad and it's that easy to exploit. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Bad stuff. Um, but um, I think certainly at the very least, um, if you have like a like a router and um, from from um, your cable provider, like call them and, and ask them about patches and updates for that thing. All right. We've come to the point where I record the mid-show sting bumper, which is the name of it. Let me just uh, pull that up here. <laughs> do we have a deep dive? I don't think we do, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm so tired. I know I am too. We 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 dived uh, pretty pretty deep in, into everything else. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. That's it for the show. And if that's all you're here for, <laughs> go ahead. And- Turn it off because we're not going to do any more show tonight. You can stick around if you want. But we won't be here. But we won't fucking be here. Guaranteed we'll be back next week with the latest, the greatest, and the sometimes the hated in the gaming and the technologies. Look us up on shinypodcast.com where you can subscribe to the latest shows and check out if we ever do anything that's, you know, besides just a podcast, we'll put it there too. Uh, you can download show or be redirected into the native UI of your favorite podcatching applications. You can say hi to us if you want over email. It's the best way, really. Hello at shinypodcast.com I said hello at shinypodcast.com Don't know why you say hello, I say... Should we should we record a fake organic, like, outro so I can just, like, edit it all together somehow? Like, we'd be <laughs> sure. like... So we're going to really organically segue now into the crack attacks, Jack. Got it. Okay, cool. We did that. And then... <laughs> <laughs> okay and then here's the end of the show bye guys (laughs) see ya it's been real oh no we gotta do it inside okay hold on (laughs) i don't even know go to our things okay (laughs) okay here let's (sighs) we got this we got this we're cool we're we're podcasters. We're very cool people. That's going to do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Um, please, uh, please check us out uh, on Twitter at Cast the Shine, uh, Facebook at Shiny Podcast. Um, those are our uh, social media sites. But uh, we'll be back next week on Thursday for some more um, live stream of Fallout New Vegas and Episode Nine. My name is Chris. And my name is Colin. And you are all wonderful. Thanks for listening. And thanks for listening, folks. I love the shiny podcast! It's okay!
I don't I don't care if they spray it on, but that charred like like coal taste. Yeah, dude. It's it tastes real. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably fake. It's probably fake taste real. 